So we're in lesson 13 today, and we're going to talk again about walking as a believer. I entitled this Walking as a Believer, the second part. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through verse 21. So let's, let's read this section together, and then we're going to talk about it, okay? Here's what Paul writes. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father and in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Now, let me just go ahead and start. We're, what we're doing is, is we're going through chapter 5, and this is where Paul is really focused on because of all the truths that we've learned before about our salvation, who we are now in Christ, who we are now as the mystery that is the, the church that has come out of that. He's telling you and I how to live. Now, i got to make a comment from last week. Last week, we talked about our speech, okay? So... In verse 4, neither filthiness nor foolish talking or coarse jesting. Now, I just seem to only want to focus on the whole issue there with, with coarse jesting to talk about joking at the expense of others. That is one dynamic of it. There is another dynamic. And I kind of alluded to it, but I kind of stayed away from it. Uh, it's also about sexualized talking. And what do you mean by that? Well, you ever been around somebody, and, it, and it's like couples, they get around and there's a single person there, and they start talking and joking about intimacy with a single person there. And everybody's laughing, ha, 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 ha. Uh, the single person feels uncomfortable. And, and sometimes in Christian circles, we do that. Paul's saying, don't have any kind of coarse jesting among you. And, and a component of that is sexualized talking. Our speech has to be what? For edification, for building each other up. And that's something I thought I needed to make reference of. A dear brother said to me, hey, you missed one part there. And he was right last week. And so I thought I would bring it in as we get into this lesson. So that brings actually is a good shoe in for what we're going to talk about right now. Because when you look at verse 15... Paul's going to tell us, he's going to call us to do something. He's going to call us to live carefully. Okay, so look what it says there. He says in verse 15, see that you walk circumspectly. Now, does anybody know what that means? That's what the King James says. What does it mean to walk circumspectly? Okay, with an awareness, okay. Does anybody know an animal that that's how they walk? You got a, in your mind an animal. Can I, can I tell you an animal? An animal? A cat. 
You ever been in a room with a cat and there's all kinds of junk laying around on the floor and somehow they're able to walk through and know right where to put their feet without stepping on the junk or glass or whatever? and, and, And we would say that the cat is walking circumspectly. Now, here's what it actually means. It means to be cautious or careful. So Paul calls his readers to live their lives in such a way that is careful and cautious. You and I are to live our lives in this world carefully and cautiously. Now, how do you feel about that? That's the first thing he's telling us here in this section is for you to live cautiously. Is, is that like, well, I don't know if I, really, do I need to do that? Think about it. Think about your life, the stuff you face, seen and unseen. Is there wisdom there? Why? Why is there wisdom there? Okay, so you kind of have to because of you got to make decisions about what's right, what's not right, you know, and so forth. Okay, that's, that's good, Tim. Anybody else? Others are watching you. Okay, that's another one. You are a testimony for others, okay? How about the unseen? You, do you just live in this world by yourself? Does, do you have a tempter, an accuser, a liar around you in the form of who? Satan, yeah, or his demons, Do you understand what I'm saying? So you have to be aware. So he's calling folks to live their lives in such a way that is careful and cautious. Okay? Why? He calls believers not to conduct themselves as fools, but as those who are wise. So the the very first thing he's going to illustrate you and I walking circumspectly is or cautiously is, don't be a fool, be somebody who's wise. Because what does a fool do? What what does a fool do if if you're being told, live cautiously, live carefully, be, be wise, don't be a fool, what is it about a fool that you and I are supposed to avoid? Okay, that's true though, okay, Bruce, but also I would add to it, when we talk about fools in the Bible, Proverbs is the biggest book that talks about a fool. It's not just unbelief, but fools are careless. Fools don't think about anything, they just do. It talks about, you know, you can discipline someone, and a wise one, and they'll learn from it. Fool doesn't learn anything, right? You can, a fool can be challenged all the time and it totally go over his head and not care. So it's not just talking about the aspect of unbelief, although that could be a component of it. It's talking about live your life as somebody who's wise, not somebody who is foolish, okay? Foolish, and, and sometimes we maybe do live our lives as fools, okay? All right, so... A fool is somebody who is unwise in how they conduct themselves. How they conduct themselves. So here's what he says. 
He goes on, he calls believers to take advantage of the opportunities that time presents to them. You and I are to take advantage of the opportunities that time presents to them. What do you mean, the opportunities that time presents to them? Look, verse 16, redeeming the time. You have opportunities right now, right now, in this day and age, that you won't have later on. So you need to take advantage of those opportunities right now in how you live your life, how you're living for the Lord. This is what he's saying. Being the believer, living, living in Christ. Take advantage of the time right now. Take every opportunity, all right? Now, why? Paul refers to the need to do this since the days are evil. The days are evil. Which, by the way, Paul wrote this in A.D. 60, 50 to 60. The days were evil then. The days have always been evil. Period. Okay? The days have always been evil. So what do you do? Until Jesus comes back, what? Redeem the time. Don't live foolishly. Redeem the time. But as wise, understand the days are evil. Make the most that time gives you right now. Because at some point, you're not going to have that anymore, are you? What do you mean, George? Hey, when you get older, can you still do the things you did when you were 20? When you get older, is your mind as sharp as it was when it was 20? Do you you know what I'm saying? I mean, you'd like to think it is. But it's not. So use the time you have, and ultimately, when we're talking about here, walking as a believer, use the time that you have in your relationship with the Lord. Do do you understand what I'm saying? And live wisely, not foolishly. All right, so let's go on now. Here's what he's saying. Because the days we live in are evil, Paul repeats his call for believers to not be unwise. So he's making that statement again when you look at verse 17. Therefore, do not be unwise. What's the therefore referring back to? His comment about the days being evil. He's saying, look, the days are evil. Listen to me. I'm telling you again, don't be unwise. Don't be unwise in how you're living your life. Don't be a fool. Don't just take everything for granted. Don't just assume you know everything. Be wise in how you live your life. Now, would you say that's pretty good advice for us today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, the reality is, is live in such a way that is not unwise. Why? We can do this by understanding what the will of God is. So if you look at verse 17, he says, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Well, you're saying, okay, great, George. I'd like to know what the will of the Lord is. How do I figure out what the will of the Lord is? Does anybody here want to know what the will of the Lord is? Yeah, we all want to know what the will of the Lord is, right? 
How do we understand what the will of the Lord is? Anybody know? Read the Bible, John. That's right. What did you say? Prayer. Prayer. Okay. All right. Anybody else? Okay, here's one. I'll give it to you because it goes right, right along. Rhonda, you're right. But here it is. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, other passages will talk about the renewing of the mind comes through what? God's word. And when you are renewed in your mind and you're not conforming to the way everybody else is doing it, what does it say? That you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's how you know. So if I'm going to live cautiously, not as a fool, redeeming the time, I'm going to live wisely, trying to figure out what God's will is for how I live my life. The key tool that you have in doing that is what? God's Word. God's Word. Spending time in God's Word. Reading it. Praying over it. Letting it permeate your life. Letting it speak to you. What do you mean speak to you? Have you ever not been along and you're wondering what to do and God's Word will come into your mind? Something that you read and you're like, oh, wow. Where'd that come from? The Holy Spirit brought that to mind. Oftentimes it is for things that you need to do in that moment. Okay? So the reality is, is that you and I are to redeem the time, not be unwise, because the days are evil. So, all right, let's go on. So here's what he does. Next one, he's going to tell us to live spirit-filled lives. How does he do that? First thing he says is, we've heard this one. Paul tells believers not to be drunk with wine. Not to be drunk with wine. Okay, so let me just stop for a moment because, you know, I, of course, my background is, was independent Baptist and uh, I've heard lots of sermons and lots of, under, lots of instruction concerning drinking, okay? And, you know, that the wine that they drank then was not the same kind of wine that you can buy in the ABC store. Excuse me, the wine and spirits store, ABCs in South Carolina. So, uh, so, okay, whatever. The fact of the matter is, they didn't drink water back then. What do you mean they didn't drink water? It wasn't pure, okay? You get sick from drinking water. What do they drink? Wine. Made it from fruits. Okay. Fruits ferment at some point, right? They do. Especially when you're talking about being in a tropical climate that they're in. All right. So the issue isn't don't drink wine. The issue is, if you look at the scripture, is don't be what? Drunk. Don't, the issue is don't be drunk. That's what the issue is. Don't be drunk with wine. That's the issue. Are you saying George is okay to drink? No, I didn't say that. So, like, for instance, I don't drink. I haven't drank a drop of alcohol since, I think the last time I had a drink was 1986. And the reason why, I, and that was in an enlisted man's club in Fort Knox, Kentucky. Somebody said, here, have a drink. So I drank it. 
oh, I shouldn't have done that. But listen to me. The reason why I don't drink is because I grew up in a home of an alcoholic. And I also know how I am. I have addictive tendencies. And it wouldn't take long for me to go down that same road. Do you understand? The issue is drunkenness. Don't drink to drunkenness. That's what he's telling you here. Why? Because when you are drunk, who takes control of you? What's that? Well, not Satan. The alcohol. Okay? The alcohol. Have you... I grew up in a home of an alcoholic. Everything was focused in life around getting one thing. Alcohol. To feed the addiction. All right, so here's what the scripture says about it. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Here it's making a very clear point. Guys who are constantly in, being in drink, they're not, they're not going to have the kingdom of God. Woe to those who rise early in the morning that they may follow intoxicating drink who continue until night till the wine inflames them. Isaiah chapter 5 verse 11. Proverbs 21. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is a brawler. Whoever is led astray by it is not wise. So the issue isn't don't drink wine. That was an everyday drink. But the issue is don't be what? Drunk. Because that controls you. So Paul tells believers that drunkenness is... Now, the New King James uses the word dissipation, which is also in the Old King James. But some translations refer to it as debauchery. Okay? Now, what does that mean? Well, debauchery conveys the meaning of a lifestyle that is wasteful and lacking moral restraint. When you have somebody that's given over to drink and drunk, their life is characterized by being wasteful and giving up of moral restraint. All right, so what does he tell us to do then? Using that illustration, don't be controlled by alcohol. He's telling you the contrast. Now he's giving you the negative. Here's the positive command. Believers are called to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Believers are called to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, that should raise some questions for you because you're probably thinking, okay, what does that mean? Anybody know what that means? To be filled with the Spirit? Okay, let God lead you in your life. Okay, all right, that's good. Anybody else? Because maybe you're here, you're thinking, I thought when I got saved, the Holy Spirit came into my life. What is this filling thing? I thought he was already there. Anybody thinking like that? Well, the filling is something subsequent. When we talk about the Spirit coming into our lives, that is what is known theologically as the baptism of the Spirit. You were baptized into the Holy Spirit, or the Spirit was baptized into you when you got saved. The moment, the instant you believed, God entered into your life. Do we all understand that, right? So then what is the filling Okay? There's a lot of confusion out there. It's not that the, it's some kind of power source that takes over, that fills you. 
Maybe you've seen that on TV, like, oh, he's filled with the Spirit because he's acting crazy or something. It's not some sort of power source. It's not some sort of liquid that just fills you up. No, he's, he's trying to convey a contrast. It's about the issue of what? Control. So the first thing he does to contrast it is to tell you negatively, don't do this. What did he just tell us not to do? Don't get drunk. But rather now, he's telling you to be what? Filled with the Spirit. And the issue is control. What's going to control you? So filled is contrasted with darkness concerning the issue of control in one's life. So yes, there's one baptism of the Spirit. Everybody here has the Holy Spirit if you've trusted in Jesus Christ. But there can be many fillings. What do you mean there can be many? Well, we've already discussed before, you can, doesn't he tell us, not to what? Grieve the Spirit? How do you grieve the Spirit? Sin, yes. So when, you, when you're sinning, who's in control of your life? Yeah, not the Spirit, okay? Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Thessalonians would tell us not to quench the Spirit, suppress the Spirit in our lives. You and I are to allow the Spirit to, to have control in our lives. So, so Paul is telling believers to allow the Holy Spirit to have control. Now you might be saying, okay, control, is there a better word for that? How about influence? A greater influence in your life? Because remember, I told you with an alcoholic, what, what motivates an alcoholic? What motivates somebody who's addicted to alcohol? What motivates somebody, let's, let's not use alcohol, but what motivates a heroin addict? Yeah, the next high, the next experience, you know what I'm saying? What motivates a meth person? They're motivated by the drug. The drug takes control of them, Right? He's saying here, you be motivated, activated, influenced, controlled by what in your life? The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. Now, I think it's interesting. That's kind of connected to what we just talked about earlier about trying to figure out the will of God in your life, right? Because what is the Spirit always going to guide you towards? Doing the will of God, right? Doing the will of God. So here, it's saying to you and I to uh, be filled. Now, let's, let's go on. The spirit-filled life is reflected. How, how do we see this? What is it reflected in? Three things. First of all, the spirit-filled life is reflected in songs of worship to the Lord. When you look at verse 19, it talks about singing songs and melodies to one another. A spirit-filled life is reflected in singing. Making melody to the Lord. That should be a natural outflow. I don't like singing in front of people. Fine. Do you sing in your car? Do you make melody in your heart to the Lord? That's a natural outflow 
of being spirit-filled. Here's the other one. Thanksgiving. Spirit-filled life is reflected in giving thanks for all things to the Lord. The outflow of the Spirit in your life is to be a thankful person. To give thanks for all things. Okay? And then finally, here's one. This might be hard. We'll expand it next week. The Spirit-filled life is reflected in mutual submission to each other. Mutual submission. When you look at verse 21 there, here's what it says. Let me turn there. Verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. That comes out of. Now, you say, how do you know that's all coming out of the spirit-filled life? Now, what I want you to do is look at your English Bibles, okay? I want you to look at your English Bibles, and I want you to look at verse 18. What, is, what punctuation point is at the end of verse 18? Is it a comma? Is it a period? Is it an exclamation point? What is it? Verse 18. What's at the very end? Comma. Okay, now go down to verse 19. What's at the very end of verse 19? Comma. What's at the end of verse 20? Comma. And now when you get to verse 21, what is the end of verse 21? Period. Now what you're looking at we have it in three to four verses is a very, very long sentence. He's telling you not to be drunk with wine, which is debauchery, wasteful living, but rather that you be filled with the Spirit. And then he goes on and describes what the Spirit-filled life is. And the Spirit-filled life is what? One who sings to the Lord. One who what? Is a thankful person and one who what? Mutually submits to each other. And that comes out of the Spirit-filled life. Now next week, when we get into verse 22 through chapter 6, we're going to see three areas of our world where we're supposed to be submissive in. What three areas? Husband-wife relationship, parent-child relationship, and in their culture, it was master-slave. Okay? And we'll try to bring those principles over into our world because we don't have master. What do you mean? My boss is like, a, I'm a slave there. You know? No, no. Well, yeah, okay. Maybe, maybe not. But the reality is, is that's the close culturally that we have is an employer-employee situation. Okay? So we're going to look at that next week.